Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. USCHO.com. Welcome to USCHO Weekend Review for Monday, February 20th. Each week, we look back at the highlights of the weekend and the news of the week. This podcast is sponsored by the NCAA Men's Division I Frozen Four, April 6th and 8th at Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida. Secure your seats now at NCAA.com slash MFrozen4. I'm Ed Treschker alongside Jim Conley and Derek Schooley. Well, we had been talking about how late in the season it had gotten with no regular season champions clinched three conference champions were crowned over the weekend. Even though Minnesota dominated Penn State on Friday, it was already in the bag from results on Thursday between Ohio State and Michigan. And the Golden Gophers clinched the Big Ten crown, also a 3-10 overtime win on Saturday. This is no surprise. They've been kind of opening up some space over the last few weeks. Yeah, we saw this coming, uh, and it's good good for the Gophers. I mean, they could have done it, I believe, a week before uh, against uh, Wisconsin, lost a, a game up in Madison. Um, but this team's cruising, you know. And and that I thought that game uh, on Saturday, the overtime game, three two victory for Minnesota, was a fantastic hockey game. Um, but Friday was the aberration. I think it was a six nothing lead before the halfway point of the game for. for Minnesota, they obviously were hungry just to put their kind of put their flag in the ground and say, okay, we might, we might've already clinched a big 10 title based on other results, but we want you to know that we would have done it on our own anyways. And just, they kind of swatted the fly away, but then a really good Penn state team on Saturday, I thought in Minnesota still found a way to win. And I think the one thing that gets lost in it, and I know it was brought up a little bit on the internet is what a big weekend for Logan Cooley. He had a big night on, uh, in the seven to two win. Coming back to Pennsylvania, I believe I, I read that Arizona's GM, uh, Bill Armstrong, was in the, in the crowd. And um, he had a, a great weekend as a Pittsburgh kid coming back to play in, in Pennsylvania against Penn State. But we knew, like you said, we knew this is coming. Um, it could have been. I think we knew Quinnipiac was coming. I know we'll talk about that. RIT, the bump that they had. We knew that these were all, through, all were coming. And uh, I think that. The next ones are, are going to be the challenging one. Big thing right now, 44 days to the Frozen Four. Let you think about that for a little bit. It's coming quick, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens in the next 44 days that we're just going to probably shake our head at. And 44 days, and, and you know what? Maybe 47 days you got to deal with me. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Is that unfortunately that you're that you got to deal with me for those 47 days or unfortunately that I'm done in 47 days? Uh, jury's out. <laughs> well, oh, we mentioned God. Quinnipiac. Uh, I saw the photos. They beat Yale five to one on Friday. The uh, Cleary Cup was there on hand for them to receive. And uh, this again, like Derek said, no big surprise. Uh, there's going to be really a battle for 
uh, the last home buy in that league between Colgate and St. Lawrence. It's down to them. The other three have already clinched home ice in that. But, you know, Quinnipiac has rolled right from day one. Breaking news. They gave up a goal. Oh, you stole my line. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> uh, a hot, hot take. Hot take. They gave up three. I mean, averaging 1.5. I mean, three goals in the last four games. I think we talk about it all the time. We talk about it with Michigan. We talk about it with those offensive teams. This is a team that's got their D rolling right now. Did they, was it world beaters that they were beating this weekend? No. I mean, you see Yale and Brown down where they are in the, in the standings, but uh, congratulations to, to Quinnipiac. I think this was probably uh, this and Minnesota were the ones that were the, the one that uh, not shocking. Um, yeah, you stole my thunder there, schools. I mean, I was going to talk all about the fact that they finally gave up a goal. I mean, listen, this this is the Quinnipiac train right now, and it's running. Uh, you know, they 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 had an early season loss to Maine. They had a bump in ECAC play. Other than that, they're they're near perfect. Um, this team is just rolling, and you know, we'll see what the challenges are once they get to the NCAA tournament. Can they get back to the Frozen Four? I believe their last Frozen Four was in Tampa where they lost in the national title game to North Dakota, 2016. So um, warm weather, obviously, uh, you know, is something that agrees with, with that team. So we'll see if they can get back. Um, but right now, the, the way I look at this team, I don't see a way to stop them. Maybe in a single elimination, once they get to Lake Placid, you know, a team like a Cornell or a team like a Harvard uh, could knock them off in a single game. Even St. Lawrence, the way they're playing, that was a great win for St. Lawrence over uh, Cornell on Saturday night. So it, it's not a you know foregone conclusion that, that they're going to win the postseason, uh, Quinnipiac, but they're they're rolling, and this is this is as good as we've seen a team roll uh, in their league in quite some time. You mentioned the one nothing win that St. Lawrence had. What an exciting one nothing win! I mean, that was an exciting hockey game and uh, went back and forth. And um, that was an exciting win. And Jimmy, I know I stole your thunder, but I, I kind of stole it from your Monday 10 this morning. So <laughs> I, I plagiarized. At least we know that people read stuff. <laughs> I, I plagiarized uh, your your column. I didn't I didn't put it in print, but I stole it from you. Well, just as long as you don't plagiarize the comment section, we're all going to stay friends. <laughs> <laughs> the other team to clinch uh, the overall seed and the inaugural Robert D. Gregorio trophy was RIT. They beat Bentley for nothing on Friday to get halfway there on Saturday before the game was done. Canisius had beaten sacred heart. So the pioneers were out of that one more point in overtime for Canisius on Sunday gave the trophy to RIT outright two quick things on that. Uh, RIT has taken points from other teams, won the, the series against other teams, against everybody except Air Force, who they split with early, and they play the Falcons this weekend and a sweep at the hands of Niagara. But I think you have to point to sweeps of Sacred Heart and AIC earlier in the season that really were the difference. Well, you're going to see in this, and I've had a, a couple conversations with other coaches in the league, you're going to see – like RIT has been been beatable lately. Ever since we talked about them about being in that 16 range, you know, they they've kind of struggled a little bit. I'm not to take away from their championship. Anytime you you win a championship, put a banner up. Great job. Congratulations to Wayne. 
they were they were not a team that everybody picked to be the number one. And arguably Wayne Wilson will be coach of the year in, in Atlantic hockey. But I think this is as wide open as you, you'll ever see. Um, I think you could see a, a couple upsets in the first round. I think you could see some surprises in the championship game. And um, I think this is as wide open. Air Force, in my opinion, and I watched them a lot. I saw them in person. They're kind of the hottest team and were until this AIC weekend. They were, they were on fire and they're not going to make the playoffs. Sad that two teams that are playing pretty well right now in Bentley and Air Force aren't going to make the playoffs. And I look for some of these first round matchups. Um, I know this, it's hard to tell who's going to play whom because, you know, you have uh, a Holy Cross kind of holding on to that last home ice spot. Um, I think anybody can still catch the Holy Cross. Yeah, or, I'm or just close. looking at that. You know, it, it, you're, you're talking Mercyhurst is only four points behind and they're in eighth place. So I, you can't see who's going to align against each other in the first round of the playoffs. But I, I, I think I agree with these schools. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see big upsets in that first round, but we're, we're almost undoubtedly going to see, you know, some three game series out of it. Um, it's, it's just that close, especially, you know, RIT. Yes. I feel like they kind of did run away with it, but you know, sacred heart has shown that they're obviously, you know, able to be taken. AIC has not had the season that they have the, the last couple there. They're kind of ripe for the pickings. Holy Cross has, you know, defied a lot of expectations. Army tough to play against. Kanish is showing that down the stretch, they're tough to play against. Niagara's had some good wins down the stretch. And Mercyhurst is probably the one team that might be kind of limping into the playoffs, you know, more than anybody. By the way, congratulations to Rick Gotkin, coach's 1200th game on Saturday, only the third coach to ever do that at the same school, joining the likes of Red Berenson and Jack Parker. You know, Rick Gotkin, I don't, I, I know Rick, he's a pretty humble guy. And I think he would say, I never thought Jimmy that I'd ever have my name said in the same sentence as Jack Parker and Red Berenson, but Ricky, uh, congratulations. Hats off to you. I texted him after that when I saw it online and, and here's his response. As you know, I've been hanging around a long time. <laughs> and then it goes into the good news is about being along. He's been able to become friends with some great people. And uh, Rick is as humble as always, but you're right. Uh, congratulations to that. And I think Frank Serratori coached 1100 games on the weekend as well. So this is, there's a lot of people. I had this conversation with Eric Lang. The, there's a lot of, of the people that have been at the same school a long time in Atlanta hockey. I mean, I'll, I've been in Pittsburgh 20 years, believe that that one or not. I mean, there are a lot of them. You got Riles and Ryan Soderquist and Wayne. And, uh, and you know, I speak of them in first names, but I mean, these are, these are some of the, the who's who of, of college coaches and with Rick and Frank and Wayne personalities as well. Yes. And, you know, and I'll give you just a contrast. And that's, that is something that makes Atlanta hockey kind of a unique league because I was calling a game on Saturday night, Providence, Providence against UMass Lowell. And you had the two deans of hockey's coaches, Norm Bazin and uh, Nate Lehman. Nobody has been at any hockey school longer than two of them. <laughs> you know, we've had, you know, I think when they came into the league, they had Jerry, Jerry York, Jack Parker and Dickie Millie in the league. They're all gone. And now these guys are taking over as the, the, uh, the deans of hockey's coaching. Yeah. I guess uh, if uh, things work out, we all get old eventually. Right. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, those were settled, but they're going to be three more champions to crown. Probably only one coming up next weekend, and it'll definitely be one of these two teams. Minnesota State now leads Michigan Tech by two points and will face the Huskies twice this coming weekend. Uh, the Mavericks split with Bemidji State. They lost on Saturday. You know, we talked about how that Friday game was a big one. They have just that two-point lead coming into the ultimate battle for the league title this weekend. Great scheduling by Don Lucia and his staff. We've been saying that all along here with the schedule makers, what a great job they did this year. But good for, um, you know, Bemidji went and took some points, which makes those makes that Michigan Tech series and, and Minnesota a lot tighter than it could have been. Minnesota State could have had, I think, up to a, a four-point advantage or a five-point advantage. So that is a, that's a good portion of, of the points. So they don't have to um, sweep or anything like that. You could really see a, a really good um, weekend and series. And, you know, do you pull your goalie in certain scenarios if you're, you're behind? I mean, those are questions. Like you don't have to have, be scoreboard watching the scoreboards right in front of you. And I think, you know, we talked about the top four. How about Northern Michigan this weekend against Ferris? They've just made a little statement that they're not out of being in that, that five game. I think it might be hard to catch Bemidji, not out of the question, but Northern Michigan made a statement as well as jumping up. I think I had said it and shame on me that the four or five game was locked in. I didn't expect a six-point weekend for Northern Michigan, but and they did it convincingly too. Yeah, you know what? What makes uh, this weekend between Minnesota State and Michigan Tech so interesting is that if the Mavericks want to clinch a championship now, they have to take at least five points. Four points uh, against two would be coach a co-champion situation. Um, so you did mention pulling the goalie of those schools, and I will tell you this is this is from the the jerry york school of hockey because we had this situation in hockey east and this is going back a number of years but on the last night of the regular season jerry york was playing unh boston college unh bc had to win the game this was long before three on three overtimes and shootouts these were only two point games they needed two points they had to win the game and it was said on the broadcast, oh, he's got to pull his goalie if he wants to win. Well, Jerry York also knew that he was on the pairwise bubble at that point. And both of these teams, Minnesota State and Michigan Tech, are right around that pairwise bubble. So if you want to pull your goalie in overtime and potentially lose a game as opposed, I know you could win it, but if you lose a game on a pulled goalie situation in overtime and you're on the pairwise bubble and that drops you down, boy, that's one that you would never forget. So I know that it makes sense to maybe pull the goalie and, and try to win that league title outright or something like that. Or, you know, if you're in this, uh, the boots of uh, Michigan tech, you know, you need, might need four points. You've got, you know, you got two on Friday and you're in overtime on, on Saturday, you know, you need the win. Don't worry about that. I think you can try to get those two points in a shootout or something like that because you don't want to lose one of those games with a pull goalie situation and maybe jeopardize your NCAA tournament hopes. Those are all good points, but I think you mentioned at the beginning that the Mavericks needed four points. Then you, it's Tech that needs four points, not the Mavericks. It's it's the other way around, correct? So if, yeah, you're. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Yeah, you, I said, well, if Tech gets four points, then it's a tie. 
Yeah. So I guess you're right. The Mavericks need at least three points. I did say five at the beginning. I had it backwards. So they need at least three points. Uh, Minnesota State would um, to win the win outright because that would maintain their lead. But if it was a four-two situation, uh, then they, you know, in favor of Tech, then it would be a co-champion situation. Interesting. If Tech wins the first night, that's where things really get interesting. Yeah, you well, then, then then they're saying all we have to do is get to overtime. Correct. Because once you're in overtime, you get four points, you know. Then if you you know get get through a shootout and win a shootout, then you get the, the title all to yourself with a five-point weekend. So a shootout for a championship. Wow, where have we heard that before? <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Boy, I that. Ed, Ed just Ed just shakes his head at us when we throw something off script that he knows he's he's gonna get to eventually. No, I I just the idea of shootouts deciding anything. Makes me think of a bunch of soccer players lined up protecting their lower regions. You know, the funny thing, though, I, I know that you're, you're OK. You went something like that. But it, this always you know what? This is where you're going. God, if we would only won that game in October. God, we 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 had that's where we always say the games in in February, the same as the, this is where you're going. Yo. And you kick yourself because you always have those one or two games and you know, you do, but then again, so does every other team, but that's as a coach, you're going, ah, I wish I wish we could have got that one point or wish we would have, you know, not given up a goal late and lost a point here. Well, that's, that's where it drives me nuts when people say, Oh, they really backed into that championship. No, all the games count. And that October game was just as important as the last game you played in that. Hey, we won a we won a regular season championship in our last year. I remember I was at a restaurant watching um, Niagara um, play Canisius and watch it being a Purple Eagles fan, and that's how we won one. I mean, you, <laughs> all the games matter. Well, there are a lot of games to matter still in the NCHC with two weekends to play for everybody. But Denver, who is in first place, and number two Western Michigan are going to face each other this weekend. Denver's got five points on the Broncos right now after a 6-5 loss to Minnesota Duluth, which keeps hanging on in all this too. Uh, so there's still probably the final weekend, depending on how things work out, could be the final weekend that determines all this. Yeah, well, schools talked about writing off Northern and uh, the CCHA. I wrote off every other team in the uh, NCAC except Denver. I, th- I think I had already started previewing my Denver Miami first first round uh, quarterfinal series in the NCAC because it, it just seemed like a sure bet um but give it to Minnesota Duluth that was a crazy game on Saturday 11 goals scored you know, swapping of lead changes multi goal leads uh, you know getting wiped off the board um but you know Scott Sandlin's team uh, you know proved it that they can beat they can beat anybody in this league and uh, it's all what team comes out and plays. And they, they found a way to win that game on Saturday night. And that has kind of delayed the des- destiny for Denver. And now you're in a situation where Denver's heading to Lawson this weekend. And if they get swept, they'll head into the final week of the regular season in second place. I mean, that's crazy. I did not see anybody catching Denver. And now the fact that they could get caught with, you know, in the second to last week of the regular season in a really tough place. I mean, we've talked all season about how difficult it is to play in Lawson. Uh, 
And every coach from the NCHC that we had on talked about how difficult it is to play in Lawson. And here you have Denver and David Carl's team heading into Lawson needed to take points out of there. A split would be great. And they'll feel great about a split. I'm sure. But a sweet, if they get swept, uh, that's, that's, that's serious business right there to think that they could go into the final weekend, you know, playing catch up. It's crazy that we're talking about Minnesota Duluth getting hot and having some big wins at the end of the year, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) mean, uh, it's crazy. And, you know, you talk about Western Michigan. They also, after their Western Michigan, they do have a rivalry series home and home with Colorado college. So it it is there. it, It is emotional coming down the stretch here. And you know, Colorado College, if, if there's points available, they don't want Denver to clinch on them, especially on their ice with that rivalry with the, the gold pan that they have going. So I think it's going to be exciting. I think we got, we got some good schedule making going on. You know, you got Denver uh, going to Western, perfect timing, Denver, Colorado College rivalry. And I know why they do it. They don't want a lot of travel that weekend. And that's, a, that's great. But um Hats off to all the schedule makers this year. You know, I mean, in, in the way that Chris Mayotte's team is playing, the thought that if Denver was in a position where they were trailing heading into the regular the regular season finale weekend, you could see Colorado College, you know, splitting that series with them. That's not out of the realm. I know there's a lot of emotion that go in, goes into those games, um, and Denver has fared well this season, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset there. Well, let's look at Hockey East. Last week, we were talking about a couple of teams that could finish anywhere from 1st to 10th or 2nd to 11th. That's narrowed down a bit, but the real uh, uh, straw that stirred the drink this past weekend was Merrimack sweeping BU home and home uh, overtime on Saturday. So five out of six points for the Warriors. So Northeastern is in first place. BU and Northeastern right now, the, the favorites in that, but Merrimack is still in the mix too. Yeah, I mean, Merrimack has one less game to play. Uh, the final week in the regular season, they only play a single against Vermont. Uh, they'll play Lowell twice this weekend. But um, suddenly Northeastern here, this is a team that was really struggling at Christmas time, and they've played really well down the stretch. Um, Devin Levi is playing his best hockey right now. Gets another shutout on Saturday night up at Vermont. Um the the Merrimack series, I think, sh- you know, really turned a lot of heads. That you know, we knew that Merrimack was a good team way back in the first half of the year, um, but since Christmas, since the New Year, they have really not played well. And to to find a way to win at home on Friday, listen, that's a tough place to play. Merrimack's not an easy barn to play in, and um, they haven't had the home cooking of late. They've played a lot of road games after a, a ton of home games to start the year, but then to go into BU. Uh, take a, a lead, fall behind three to two rally for the tying goal. And then one of the most interesting endings to an overtime I've seen BU goes down in a breakaway with about 25 seconds left, a great stop by Hugo Olas. And then the play transitions to the other end and BU takes a penalty. And you would just expect, you know, there's about 12 seconds left in overtime. You'd expect Merrimack just turn the puck over so you can get a, at least a 10 second four on three power play. Instead, Merrimack keeps playing. BU looks like they kind of got into a a situation where they were like, okay, we know that they're just going to turn the puck over. Well, they didn't. Merrimack kept playing. They end up getting the extra attacker on the ice. They score an extra attacker goal with one-tenth of a second left. And suddenly you have a five-point weekend for Merrimack. So 
Um, it was it was an interesting series. It really has kind of set up just a hodgepodge at the top. Um, you have the the race for first place, and even a team like UMass Lowell is still in that race. Um, but at the same time, Lowell they're going to play uh, uh, Merrimack twice and Northeastern twice to end the season. Tough games. They're now not just fighting maybe to win the regular season, which is still a possibility, but they're also fighting just to get that last home ice spot in the quarterfinals. So um, it will be a crazy ending to this, this hockey season, not unexpected because every time you think a team is supposed to win in hockey East, they don't. And every time you kind of just say, well, this is an easy series to pick. It doesn't go the right way. And that's, I talked to Steve Metcalf, uh, interviewed him on Nesson on, um, Friday night. And he admitted, you know, the fact that there's been so many upsets this year has brought this league. It's, it's made it very exciting for the league in the regular season, but it has brought it to a point that the pairwise does not favor hockey East right now. It, you still have, would have two teams in if the season ended today. Um, but even that's tenuous Northeastern's right there on the bubble. So uh, it's, it's been a little crazy in hockey East and I guess we're not surprised at this ending. Well, the, the interesting thing that we, I mean, both these teams are going in opposite directions. Northeastern was at 40 and now climbing Merrimack was up at four or five. Now they're, they're dropping, but Merrimack technically you could see a league champion, not inside the pairwise bubble. I mean, literally if, if they end up winning and, and get some help. And I mean, I think that they might climb being 19, they might climb up, but, Gosh, when have you ever seen that? You're going to see the Hockey East, a team that's playing for a Hockey East championship, not in the NCAA tournament as of today. They're the within two points. The old Colorado College rule from whatever year that was, 1994. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Like, I t- like I told you, I've, t- I've said this before, we were the, uh, at Western Michigan, we were the beneficiary of that. So um, I'm always in favor of letting it, letting it fly. Cause that's what, what happened with us. We were the, we were the team and eventually uh, Colorado college didn't get in, but there we are. I mean, you you could see the league champion, not, out, not inside the bubble. And there's still a lot of hockey to be, be played and a lot. It's all going to be taken care of on the ice, but you see two teams completely going in the opposite directions from, like you said, Christmas time, Northeastern's climbed what almost 25 spots and Merrimack's dropped almost 15. I mean, that's, those are pretty, pretty uh, drastic elevators. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to do a little bit of buy or sell about teams on the pairwise bubble. All right, let's go buy or sell. Yeah. Plus some bean pot and a little bit about the outdoor game in Cleveland. USCHO weekend review is sponsored by the NCAA men's division one frozen Four, April 6th and 8th at Amelie arena in Tampa, Florida. class it's the ncaa men's frozen four welcome to fandom 101 want to help your team rule the rink here's your assignment lesson one go big for every goal two when you bring it bring enough for the whole class and three attendance is encouraged but passion is mandatory the ncaa men's frozen four april 6th and 8th at amelie arena in tampa florida buy your tickets today at ncaa.com mfrozen4 class dismissed We're back with USCHO Weekend Review. I'm Ed Trefsker alongside Jim Conley and Derek Schooley. Gentlemen, buy or sell, pairwise bubble, 
Simply put, will the team make the tournament, yes or no? And some of that can factor in league tournament and so forth. But sitting where they are right now, uh, will they make it or not, buy or sell? And maybe a reason why alongside that, too, just so we can prove we've thought about it a little bit. A couple at number 19 in Hockey East. We were talking about them in the first segment. Merrimack and UConn, buy or sell on the Warriors and the Huskies. Um, I'm selling on both of these. Uh, I think both of them would ha- have to win their conference tournament. I know that they both have a path um, as an at-large. Um, I think they both have to, they would have to win their conference tournament. Even if Merrimack um, gets the two wins against Lowell this weekend, wins against Vermont, um, the final game, I don't think that does enough. And then you're talking only really one opportunity at that point. Uh, before you get to the garden to, to improve. So I, I just don't see um, Merrimack getting the Yukon's even further behind, um, even though they're tied in the pairwise and you know, the RPI is the tiebreaker right now. I think Yukon has an even uh, longer road uh, to get, get up there. You know, right now I look at the numbers and it, it actually says that Yukon has a slightly better chance. I, t- I have them at 27% potentially. Uh, Merrimack at 20%. Am I re- reading my numbers right? I am. Um, so 11% to get in as an at-large for UConn, 9% to get in as an at-large for Merrimack. That Those are pretty long, long odds. I'm glad Jimmy let me borrow his calculator for this because my Western Michigan education, <laughs> only all, I need a pencil for what we got going and an eraser. I'm with you. Um, we would have both all probably been buying at Christmas time, correct? And now we're we're selling. Maybe on both of them, definitely on Merrimack. Yeah, yeah. and now we're selling. Um, I'm I'm with you. I think they got a long road ahead, and I I see. I mean, I see a lot of people that are. I mean, we're going to talk about other hockey East uh, teams as we we move forward in this, but I, I just think that the road's too far for these two teams. I'm with you both on selling on both, but if I wanted to be a speculator, the one team of those I would buy is Merrimack, uh, especially after this past weekend. They are a team that has shown they can pull an upset and a couple of upsets in the Hockey East tournament. Um, it really only need one upset, really. But it, but it could get them in though. there. This is where where I, I, Jimmy said something. They only got one chance to improve leading up to the Garden. and that would be at home and that would be against a lesser opponent. It's and hard. then when, and then when they get to the garden, they're going to be, they're going to be a, a one, two or three seed most likely. And they're going to be playing somebody lower than them. They got to win a couple games. I mean, they almost have to win, win out. If your calculator is correct. Yeah. If they, if they win out and don't win the hockey's championship, I have them at about 71% to make it. That's still not, that's, there's still nothing sure about that. If you're if you're looking at the whole picture, not just the pairwise, I oh. think that they are the team most likely to pull an upset in the Hockey East tournament. And maybe win the thing you're saying. Right. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. I see that. Well, let's look at number 18 right now. Michigan State, their regular season is done. They're sitting at number 18 in the pairwise. Uh, they've had some brilliant stretches, and we were very excited about them. At midseason, it's been a little difficult down the road. Again, this is a team that would need to pull some upsets along the way in the 
uh, Big Ten tournament. Yeah, my I think one of the concerns for me is that they're right at 500. So I, I guess that th- there's no way for them to move up in the pairwise without winning a few games. So I guess that would pull them above 500. Um, so I don't think that they can be in a position that they will lose their at-large bid because they're below 500. If they're they're not going to be inside the top 15 if they're they're uh, below 500. So that was a concern of mine. I don't. That's it, the more I think about it, that's kind of uh, leaving my mind. Um, but I, I still don't see them them doing enough. They, I don't think that they can win the, the Big Ten tournament. I'll start there. Um, I have them just as an at-large, about a 21% chance. Um, and then, you know, give them a chance in their conference tournament as well. I don't see them winning the Big Ten tournament. Uh, that's just too long of a road uh, to get through. Um, so I, I got to sell on Michigan State. I'm going to... I'm going to say something. I think they're going to win their first game and it's going to be their first playoff win in the big 10 in big 10 history for them. I think that that's going to be something they do, but I don't think that they've got enough to get in the tournament because I, I don't think that that's going to be enough to do it because the, I don't think they're going to win the big 10 tournament. So I'm going to, if we're talking NCAA tournament, I think they've got one more win left in them. They'll end up 500, but I don't think they're going to make the tournament. I think even I think 14 might be in trouble this year. I think the 14 seed might be in trouble this year. Could be. Um, So that's why that's my thought process. I will say that if they make the big 10 final, I give them a pretty strong chance. They'll have done some good things to get there, right? They're going to have beat some teams that are, you know, way ahead of them. uh, You got to be 15. Anyway, you got to be 15 because Atlanta cocky winner is going to take the six. For sure. sure, Yeah. I don't but know if I, they get to. I don't know I if they get they to fourteen. Get up to 15, 15, maybe maybe fourteen if they get to the Big Ten final and lose to say Minnesota. But now I guess they'd probably have played Minnesota to get there. When you really, yes. I, I believe they reseed that tournament, so they'd have to probably you know got at some point uh, played Minnesota to get there, likely. So I don't know if you if they end up beating Minnesota, say in the Big Ten semis. Yes, I'm going to say that Michigan State then makes it to the NCAA tournament. Well, and what Derek brought up about where the cutoff is, you know, it could be if you see a combination of somebody like uh, a St. Lawrence or a Colgate pull an upset in the ECAC and you see a Bemidji or a Bowling Green in the CCHA, then you're starting to move that line up to number 13 and then it gets tough. Or a UMass or a UConn or... Listen, any of these hot teams, Merrimack. the way yeah. Maine is playing in the, the in hockey East, you know, any of those teams in the single elimination format can can certainly get there as well. See, I think I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say 14. I'm not gonna go to 13 as as high as Ed just thrown up, but I think you're gonna see a four. It, you're gonna have to be at 14. I think you're, gonna, gonna see so you're, you're saying one upset. Yeah, one upset. Uh, Atlanta hockey takes the 16 one from there. Well, let's look at Alaska. If they win out, they still need some help and few upsets to make it in. Is this a buy or a sell? Oh, I think it's a great storyline, but I've got to sell. Um, they could, you know, they did. They took care of business this week. They came back. They were down three nothing to LIU, scored the final six games. So they're playing with some good desperation. Uh, they get two against Arizona State this weekend, which won't bolster their RPI much, even if they win on the road. 
Uh, and then they close out, I believe it's Lindenwood at home. Um, so I, I love the storyline. I think it's fantastic. And, you know, there is, the, you know, if they win their final four games, they could be a 20, 22 win team. I think I'm right. 22, 23 win team um, and not make it, but they, they did some great things this season. I'm, I'm really happy. And I, I, it's good to see that Alaska program getting their feet under them. I still got to sell. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> see, I shouldn't have given you the math, Derek. Now you're looking at the math too much. You could have just I done am, this on instinct. <laughs> I, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at your, your, your calculator right now. And I don't think they sweep Arizona state. That's my problem. I love the story. I think they're going to be there. Arizona state is healthy. I watched them play on TV the other night. They've got their players back. They are three games below 500. I know I, when I talked to Greg powers this week, they want to be over 500. I just, I want to root for them. I want to buy. I mean, there's your, there's another one that would take somebody else's that would put that to 14. Um, I can't do it. I'm going to sell. Yeah, I'm going to sell. And for exactly the reason that they're at Arizona State, uh, the Sun Devils got swept in Alaska. I don't see them getting swept at home. I think there's a lot of pride there. I think they've got some short-term achievable things for Arizona State and something to build on for next season. So I'd have to make that a sell. But this next one is tough. <laughs> and this is a team that has kind of gotten itself back into the conversation, and that's Notre Dame sitting at number 16. I'm going to buy on this one. I don't know why. I'm going on gut. I didn't even look at your numbers. I just feel that they've keep their they're right there. And I, I never want to count out a, a Jeff Jackson team around playoff time. I think that they roll in at about 14. And I'm gonna buy. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I just made there, there's schoolie side from the last one. Um, I, I guess it, it's because it's almost the same reason that you had schools. Cause you were talking about Alaska going down to Arizona state. I'm worried about Notre Dame going to Michigan and Michigan maybe being pretty pissed off because they didn't get the points they wanted this weekend. Michigan being really aggressive because they know they want the number two seed in the big 10 tournament. Uh I, I just don't know that that Notre Dame is going to get the points at Michigan this weekend. And if that's the case, so if they lose two games and say that that, that lets them kind of hang around and they stay right around 16 in the pairwise with two losses this week, they're two games below 500. Now they've got to make those games up. If they're not going to win the big 10 tournament, they're going to have to make those games up. So what happens if they get a, a two, one, you know, quarterfinal series win, there's still a game under 500. Then they have to win the semifinal just to get to 500. So they'd have to advance. If they don't win this weekend, they have to get to the big 10 title game just to be eligible. Um, I think I'm still selling on Notre Dame. I, I, I know I probably, I should take your route schools. Cause I think that you're right. This is Jeff Jackson coaches his team. Well, down the stretch, they get into these spots. They win. I just don't, I'm not sure this time. I went got, you told me to stop looking at the numbers. You you just made a compelling argument for me to 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 flip, but I'm not going to. I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah, I got to sell on this one. Uh, oh, it all hinges. Yes. It all hinges 
on Notre Dame being able to sweep Michigan at Yost. And I don't think that happens. No, it, it's, it's a split. Even All if a split, a split, a split would but, be then, fine. but then you've got to win at least one Big Ten series in the playoffs or you're below 500 again. And you're going to be the lower seed on the road. Well, I think if they also lose that quarterfinal round in the playoffs, they're, 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 gonna be, they're below they're gonna 500. They're done. They're, they're below 500. They're done. I get that. But they're also, they're also probably 16 or 17. They wouldn't right. have a chance in any way. Let me, let, let, let me throw a scenario out. You know, they split, they win one. And then they, I mean, what if they're, they end up inside the pairwise bubble. And I don't know if this is even possible. End up at 15 below 500. They're, they can't they're, they're get in. Considered, yeah. I know they can't get in, but. That that just throws another kink in everybody's. That was, that was my whole point of that whole conversation there, schools. Maybe you missed that part. <laughs> no, but I think they might. I, I think that 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 could happen though too. I know that if you don't get in, you, if you're below 500, you don't get in. But it, it just makes another great storyline. There's so many good storylines to watch if they did end up at 15, and and can't get in. Cornell is at number 15 right now. A tough weekend for the Big Red uh, this past weekend. Buy or sell? Boy, they, they were locked, in my opinion. They were locked into this tournament heading into this past weekend, and then they get swept at home. Now they have to go to Brown and Yale. I don't think Brown and Yale are playing well right now. That'll boost them back up. I, you know, at least get them. Right now they're at 15. They probably have to get to 14, 13. I, I, they'll get, I think that Cornell gets through the quarterfinal series too, no matter who the opponent is. Mike Schaefer knows how to win those games. So now you're in Lake Placid um, and they're, they're going to be that team that probably if they get to the finals, no problem. If they don't get, say they lose in the semifinals in Lake Placid, they're going to be the team that's going to have to root on Saturday for no upsets. Cause I think they will, they will at that point be the bubble team. Um, so I'm going to buy on Cornell. I think they get in. I'm going to buy. I think they got four wins in a row coming, uh, which which will climb them up a little bit. Um, I think they got Brown and Yale. I think they, they take care of that. They get a first round buy and they, they win in the quarterfinals. I think they've got four and I, I see them. I see them, uh, as we've said all year, going a um, Quinnipiac Cornell final. And we've been saying that we we kind of forgot about Harvard a little bit for a while. I think we I think we've got five straight in a row for the big red. So I'm going to buy. Yeah, I'm going to buy, too. And if you do have Cornell and Quinnipiac in the final, then that probably means that Cornell would have had to have beaten Harvard, which also helps them in their oh, pairwise. At that too. point, they're, they're set They're If they beat Harvard in a, in a semifinal, they're probably up to 12 or 11. And then they're in great shape. Number 14, Northeastern. This is a fun one. Boy, we were <laughs> wondering about them at the semester break. They are playing uh, terrific hockey right now. Devin Levi has been just tremendous. Let me let me throw some weird pairwise math. They were 40th uh, heading into Frozen Fenway. That was January 7th. They were 40th. They've climbed the way up. And as of last Saturday, they were 15th. And then they were idle on Friday. I don't know what results changed that needed. They moved all the way down to 19th. And then they went up and beat Vermont three, nothing on Saturday. And now they're 14th. You want to talk about some pairwise volatility and Jerry Keefe is probably sitting in his office every day, uh, hiring every mathematician that he can get because he loves the pairwise numbers. Um, they're in good position right now. And the way that Devin Levi is playing, I, I, I'm 
undoubtedly buying on them. Um, I'm not even going to do the math. I'm not even going to look at the odds. I'm not taking my calculator out for this one. I I I feel that they are probably there. Um, you know, right now the calculator says that they're 30 percent to get in as an as an at large, but I think that they probably um, they're probably going to make an appearance in the hockey's finals. I'm going to buy, and the only reason I'm going to buy one they've got they've got the goalie. They're hot. But somebody's got to get in the tournament. We kept selling earlier, so I mean, somebody's got to somebody's like, got to win. You, you just bought on three teams, and there's only four at large bids really left. I know <laughs> from, from yeah. what we're going to talk about here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was selling. I I didn't buy on Alaska. I mean, I I bought on Cornell. I bought on you bought on Notre Dame though. So <laughs> yep. So I got those three. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I got one more to buy on, but one I think out of you're, two. You, yeah, I think you're right. I think you you've got that one. You you gave all the reasons why, and you know the league, and you've got your calculator out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that one. And a good advisor will tell you to diversify your portfolio anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna buy on Northeastern too, for all the reasons so how, you said. How many yeah. do you got left now, Ed? How many you got left, Jimmy? I mean, I still have two left. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that all these all these no, go, but if you're I gonna, know, but, but if we're gonna, you know, buy if you're gonna. You, if you know there's only four at large spots left and you buy five teams, you're, you're, you're probably going to have a little 17 team field uh, when, when you're all said, we're hedging your bets. <laughs> <laughs> you guys run the betting site, not me. This is the uh, mutual fund of the pairwise. This is what this is. Uh, number 13, Omaha. This is a fun one. I'd love to do the math and, and we just won't take the time right now, but, Omaha has to look at those two losses at the beginning of the season to Niagara. They'd probably be maybe 11, 10, something like that right now. Buy or sell on the Mavericks. Um, I, I don't really have a good reason to sell on them. So I, I'm pretty sure I, I have to buy, um, you know, they're going to close out the season with St. Cloud state and North Dakota. Um, St. Cloud state's at home. You hope that they pull out, you'd, you'd pull out a win out of there. Going to North Dakota, I guess the only way I would sell here is if they get swept in these last four games. Um, and after, you know, they're coming in, they're 4-0-1 uh, in their last five, even go back before that, and they're uh, 10, 10 uh, I'm sorry, 9-1-1 one one in their last 11. Um, they're playing good hockey right now. Um, so I don't see a good reason to sell on them. Um, but I, I do I throw that little caveat in the one thing that could get them in trouble is going 0 and four down the stretch here. That would that would put them in a bad position. I was I'm selling. Um I think that they've got a tough schedule. I think going into the, you know, you got St. Cloud who's right behind him in the standings, wants to climb, potentially could get up if um if Denver takes care of Western Michigan, they can get up into the two range if they do well. Um and I I'm really scared for Omaha going into North Dakota in that last weekend. You've got a hungry team that's going to want to try to get, you know, where they're at before the playoffs. I, I don't know. You, you told me I can only have four and I've already uh, taken my Notre you're Dame. Right. So. You're, you're doing your math right at least schools. So, I mean, if you, if you made, if you said, Oh, I, I got to, I would get rid of Notre Dame and take Omaha. I've, I've, I don't know. I can't, I can't flip on, on Notre Dame. So I got to sell on this one because I'm, I'm going to buy on the last one. So I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I want to buy on, on the podcast. 
Yes. Yeah, you yes. can. Okay. Okay. There's no FCC stuff here. I said I said the word hell on TV two weeks ago. So, oh my goodness! I know. Wow, it was a hell. You would have been in trouble in the 1950s. I would have. Yes, <laughs> and uh, it was on cable, also, right? It was. All right, you're fine. Don't worry about it. The FCC's understaffed anyway. Uh, Omaha, I would love to buy on them, but I have to sell. Um, unless they sweep through all of this, it's going to hurt them. Not so much against St. Cloud. They could. They could get. A split with them and be okay, but uh, that could really hurt them against North Dakota. And at that point, North Dakota may not have anything uh, to play for as far as league standings. It may not be a meaningful game at all, and and they'll be in front of a crowd, in front of their fans, and just uh, throw caution to the wind. So I and I, I loved Senior Night at North Dakota. Hmm. I think they do it better than anybody, and they're not going to lose on Senior Night. I mean. They're going to have that pride for the seniors. See, North, North Dakota does, I mean, they, the, the pomp and circumstance or, or whatever you want to call it, they do it. They do it unbelievable at uh, North Dakota on senior night. The last one, number 12, Minnesota State. They've got the big home series with Michigan Tech this weekend. They'll, they'll take care of business. Um, I, I, I feel good about Minnesota State, uh, so I'll buy on them. No problem. Um, you know, even if they lose one, even if they split here, I, I still see Minnesota State moving through the playoffs. They'll probably be in the uh, conference finals. They'll they'll be hosting that game. So, um, yeah, I I have no problem with Minnesota State here. Yep, me too. I got one left, and there's only one left to go. So I'm buying. Yeah, I'm going to buy in Minnesota State too. Even a split this weekend doesn't hurt them pairwise too much. Uh, probably keeps them right, right about where they are. And they're a team that has had the momentum going in the right direction. So I guess the only person who kind of went out on a limb here is me with Notre Dame. You guys all, you guys all kept the, as I like is. chalk. I like chalk right now. Yeah. But Ed, Ed technically did too. Cause he only put in three teams in four spots. He I, did um, Omaha in. So he's, he's thinking that there's going to be an upset in the conference tournament. So a team somewhere 20 or lower in the current pairwise. Well, yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm almost ready to buy Merrimack as that team, just based on what they have done over. We saw what they did early in the season. We saw what they did last weekend. They can do that again. They can. Well, speaking of hockey East and uh, one ECAC team, uh, the Bean Pot decided by a shootout last Monday. Yuck! Blasphemy. <laughs> But it's it's the rules, and I get it. The, the NCAA rules committee uh, ruled that they the bean pot uh, did appeal. Uh, I believe it was Jerry York that filed for an appeal while he was still coaching. Um, but the, it was turned down, and why? Because everybody that's voting on that has nothing to do with the bean pot. Nobody cares about it. It the bean pot only matters to bean pot schools, and I get that. And if anything else, if you're around New England and you're recruiting against being pot schools, you're probably jealous of being pot schools. So if you have a voting, I don't know how the votes go with the rules committee and stuff like that. Um, if, but if you have a vote, you're voting against it. So it was never going to happen. Um, and it's just, it was a rule that was going to have to be followed. I don't see a way to amend it. I, I, I just don't see going forward. Somebody's going to say, Oh, that was so horrible that we're now going to change it. I mean, listen, the players looked excited. I don't think that the coaches loved the way it was decided. If you talk to both Jerry Keefe and Ted Donato, neither one of them liked it. 
um, schools. I know you hate it. I get it. I don't love it. I remember the days of sitting in the garden until, you know, one in the morning on a, a, a bean pot semifinal Monday, where you have a double overtime game in the first one and then a, an overtime game in the second one. And, you know, second game starts at 10 o'clock at night and you end at one 30 in the morning. But I, you know, it, it, it takes away for you. We always talk about, and we're going to get into the next thing. We're going to talk about student athlete experience. It takes away from the student athlete experience to decide a championship in a skills competition. You know, I, I, I called a game on Friday night. It was a regular season game. Merrimack. I'm sorry. Uh, Maine UNH UNH wins. And after the game, Mike Sousa's asked about, you know, the game, he said, you know, we played really good for 65 minutes. It was a great college hockey game. And thank God we won the skills competition. So I'm in favor of the shootout. And I, I think you guys knew that I'm in favor of the shootout. Right. The one thing I'm, I'm not in favor, and I was on the championship committee. So I've kind of was a, a little hearing a little bit about this. They want everything uniform, just like they want uniform uh, uh, that they, that they go three on three into a shootout or you play three on three, they want as much uniformity as you can get. And I would be in favor of how they did it a couple of years ago. I believe it went to a five minute overtime. They played the five minute overtime. Got a result. Or, yep. and if they didn't get a result, then they could go to a 20 minute overtime. That was the bean pot rule. I believe you, that happened. You, you knew the game was a tie at that point. So for the pairwise, you had pairwise, a it was a tie. Yep. And then you played for the real bean pot title in the 20 minute overtime. I would be in favor of that on an exemption basis. I would not be in favor. You go to a shootout in a third place game, you get it over with. You don't stay there forever. Um, I think the, that North Dakota, that long overtime game scared people. And I think that that's part of the reason why that happened. I don't know the timeline, but I know that that scared that that has scared people when you had all the people cramping up and for a regular season. Yeah. But I'm with you. I for a bean pot championship, something that has the big history. I mean, if you're if you're talking the Three Rivers Classic, which has played five years, and we had to decide by a shootout. So be it. If you're at the bean pot for however long it's been around, seventy years. 70 years, you, you play the five minutes, you keep the pairwise result, and then you go to 20 minutes. And I know people are going to disagree with that too. Sure they will. They're, they're going to say, oh, we should just play 20 minutes. You can't. You have to have some uniformity. You do that, then you let them decide it however you want. Maybe they keep playing three on three. You know, maybe they do it three on three. Maybe three they go on three. Four you on could, four. If yeah. you want to play 20 minutes three on three like they do at the IHF, you would get a decision almost every game. Yeah, uh, I do know that, you know, you mentioned that cramping up thing from the, the North Dakota. Uh, I think it was Duluth game in the regional a few years ago. And, and th there was actually a women's beanpot game. I'm going to say like 10 years ago that I believe went six overtimes. It was a semifinal game. And I remember talking to Joe Britannia, who was not only the hockey's commissioner at that time, but he kind of de facto ran the women's beanpot. And he talked about player safety in that. And I get it. At that point, you're in a regular season. You're not going to go back into league play four days later, play a game on that, that following Friday. And you've got players that may not be ready to come back because that game took so much out of them. Okay. Um, well, then let's go five on five for 20, then go to three on three for 20. Sure. Um, I, you I, know, there's so there's many way, different ways, ways you can do it. Yes. There's ways of doing it without throwing it to a pure skills competition. But right now the rules say that they can't do it. Right. They followed the rules. Unless they applied for an exemption, which obviously they did. They did and was yeah. rejected. So 
But maybe if they applied for a different one and said, hey, let's just play three on three the whole time, just like they, they do in the world championships, just like, like you said, maybe that changes it. Steve, if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> the other thing about those games that go into multiple overtimes, you have to have Schenectady Gazette writer Ken Schott's picture at the doorway and not let him into the building if you don't want overtimes. Uh, the outdoor game in Cleveland between Ohio State and Michigan. Great fan experience, 45,000 people. Always a good experience for the players, but also, as we've talked about before, some ice trouble. What's everybody's take on this? I know Jimmy and I had a different opinion about the frozen Fenway. I thought it was great. The, the, like, this was really well done. They had fireworks. They had... Uh, sparklers shooting out of cannons after every goal. They did it well. They made a great production, um, great crowd, 45,000 people, still probably only two-thirds of the way full, uh, but it, they did it outstanding. This is a, an event, and I see pictures online. I've got a goalie that played for me that's, um, that's now a, a backup at Michigan. I see the pictures online. They did the family skate. They did it right. Student-athlete experience. 100% great job. Ice conditions, awful. They struggle with the ice. They had a, a long delay. They came back and played again, and they had another long delay. I think the game took a lot longer than it should have. Um, but I know, Jimmy, you've got some opinions on that. Unbelievable. They, they're going to remember that for the rest of their lives. And I, rem I watched it. I, I thought it was cool. Um, they had some bad camera angles that they tried out. You see that all over the line. Great experience. Um, but I think we came to it. Maybe sometimes it could be an exhibition game. Um, but I'll let you talk. I thought I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I thought the ice really put took a damper from making it an unbelievable. Yeah, I've, I've started to come around on these schools, uh, especially one-offs. You know, I, I think the, the one that was starting to get to me was when Frozen Fenway was every two years. And every two years, things got worse. The, the ice conditions looked a little worse every year. And I believe the first year they used Dan Craig, the second time they used Dan Craig. And if I, nobody knows who Dan Craig is, he is the man who is in charge of ice for the National Hockey League. He's the consultant that works the Stanley Cup finals. He works all the winter classics. He works the stadium series. He's He knows how to keep the ice. And even I know that even he, uh, the, from what I was told, had some issues at, at Fenway this year. Um, I don't know how it was down in Raleigh this weekend. Uh, where they played the stadium series game. But if you're going to do it, you got to be careful with the ice. Cause the last thing you need is a situation where a player gets injured. I know, I don't know exactly how bad the ice was at Foxborough back in 2016 when uh, Denna Lang, who was playing for, I believe it was the Boston pride uh, lost an edge, went into the board. She's now paralyzed for life. I don't want to see more of that. That's one thing I worry about with these games. And, and people, I get what people will say. You could see that any Tuesday night in any college hockey rink in America. Yes, I get it. We had Travis Roy. He, you know, didn't finish a check right, lost an edge, and it was paralyzed for his life. You know, rest in peace. Great kid. Um, but I don't want to do that unnecessarily. Um, but I do. I'm coming around. I love the student athlete experience. I saw photos from that game. I didn't see the video like you did schools. I saw photos from that game and they looked fantastic. Um, 
so I, I get the experience. I'm about this experience too. I do. I do think you got to give kids some special, well, student athletes, I shouldn't say kids, but give some, some of these student athletes, those special experiences in their college career. Um, we just got to be careful with ice, ice, ice conditions can make this miserable. We played an unbelievable game in Heinz field in front of 5,000 people and 70,000 yellow seats. And it's still something that you remember for forever. And Steve Metcalf got to you. He got to you after the last one when you, he's, he, he got you to come around. So good job, Steve. Well, and I still think that these games shouldn't be for league points. And Ohio State got five out of six points on the weekend. They're in a tie with Michigan. They have the tiebreaker now in the standings with Michigan. And this one also throws in a weird little little kink in the pairwise, even though it probably won't affect things too neutral much. Site. It's a neutral site game. Right. You got to win on a neutral side as opposed to a home ice win for Ohio State. You're right. But Ed, tell me, tell me, like you, you've kept quiet on this and I know we're getting to the end here and we got to do it. You broadcast the RIT Niagara game in a blizzard. Right. How cool <laughs> was that? It, it was, it was more than cool. It was bitter cold too. It was, we had a student. It was, <laughs> it was the ice freezing. Yeah, we had a student. Oh, we said, now we're, now we're throwing out all those words out, Jimmy. I was in a, I was in a torrential downpour, a hurricane. So you yeah. go to your blizzard. Well, we had a, we had a student who was our ice side reporter because it was so far away to see everything. He was on the opposite side of the ice and reporting to us. And we would go to him and his teeth would be chattering. It, it was great. He says, to this day, he's never been so cold in his life. You got you got twelve inches, didn't you, during that during that game? Um, we got quite a bit. They had to clear snow during the game, like in the middle of the periods. And you know, after the, the ice would be cleared, you got about a minute and a half in normal play, and then there was enough snow that you couldn't make any passes. And that was a league game. Yep. And you remember for the rest of your life. I will. I hope. <laughs> hope I remember it. If I don't remember it, I won't remember anything else either. So anyway, that's uh, that's it for this week's USCHO Weekend Review, sponsored by the NCAA Men's Division One Frozen Four, April 6th and 8th at Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida. Get your tickets at NCAA.com slash MFrozen4. Find our podcast at USCHO.com slash podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. For Jim Conley and Derek Schooley, I'm Ed Trefsker, and this has been USCHO Weekend Review. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.